Smartcast. You are listening to a Radio One production brought to you by HD Smartcast. So let's step forward together. Kahuake tonotato. Let's keep moving. I cherish the idea of a new South Africa. Will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. Aight, listen, why do we need politics? This question seems like a million dollars, but isn't really. We need politics for two simple reasons. One, we are the future and we need to represent ourselves and the country in a better light. And two, because it's fun, it's interesting and it's important. This is Adiket and I host the evening show on 94.3 Radio 1 and me along with Fabian sir getting you politics for dummies where we understand politics then and now we understand politics right and left so what are you waiting for put on your headphones and strap on because you are going to have a ride of your life Welcome joining us today is Mr Fabian And since everybody is reeling through the effects of a brand new wave that is kind of ruining our country at this point of time, uh, Fabian and I decided that we shall continue with politics for dummies. This is a brand new episode where we're going to talk about the whole aftermath, before math, and the ongoing math of a pandemic. Because right now we need to understand that there is a lot of politics involved when there is such an emergency, especially health emergency that happens. Joining us once again, all the way from his apartment, Mr. Fabian, aka Professor. Professor, how are you doing today? Well, uh, I am. Uh, what shall I say? Preoccupied with surviving. <laughs> That is brilliant. Also, uh, this is me, your host Aniket. I work on I four point three Radio One, and uh, occasionally I behave dumb when it comes to politics, so that I can learn a little bit more from our professor. So uh, we are actually learning a lot about the pandemic and its uh, effects on us. So, uh, Fabian, let's start with this one question and help me understand this. What exactly is this whole situation like? What exactly is this pandemic situation like for us, on a local, national, and a global level? Well, Delhi, as we know, the cases are mounting up, uh, and uh, we have a shortage of uh, hospital facility and all that. But if you look at India as a whole, well. Uh, the number of cases daily increases are going up uh, and um, well we are reaching or have reached uh, 300000 uh, cases a day and uh, historically we have had more than 15 million infections but uh, more than 13 million have recovered that's very important to know you know yeah and yeah. Uh, we have right now till now unfortunately more than 180000 deaths but uh, the government at the center the governments in the states and the civil society and the various sectors of the society meaning the corporates and others we are all working together to bring it under control that is the indian situation now globally more than 141 million 
have been infected and uh, unfortunately more than 3 million have died but out of the 141 million infected more than 80 million have recovered so that is very important to take note of and when i say global it is there in 223 countries and territories all right all right so um uh what do you think of this whole situation what are your thoughts on this pandemic and then later on we'll trickle down into whether it could be avoided who's responsible but uh, let's start with this what are your thoughts on this well i believe that we as human beings have encroached into the habitat of other species recklessly whether bats or others mhm so obviously we have exposed ourselves and uh, you know we are paying for uh, what shall i say the wrong things which we have done vis-a-vis other species all right well right that is that is what it is it is our doing that has caused us this very very big situation that we are in right now so fabian um this is a question that i think a lot of people will have this in their mind was this situation something that could have been prevented was it preventable just to just to put a put a finger on it thank you for that question because that is something which has preoccupied me for a long time ever since it started i want to take you to a story about cleopatra's nose oh blaise pascal the french mathematician cum philosopher he wrote cleopatra's nose had it been shorter the whole face of the world would have changed well what he meant is that julius caesar would not have fallen in love with her mark antony would not have fallen in love with her and the course of roman history would have been different mm-hmm. now to understand what history we have to also understand what might have happened not only what happened but what might have happened now in the present case i am absolutely convinced this was preventable and let me explain how in december 2019 there were cases of pneumonia in wuhan a city of 11 million in china all right yeah on 30th december a young doctor dr lee wenliang went on to the social media and expressed his uh, you know concern you know what happened the mayor of wuhan silenced him why because the mayor was planning big a big do in january okay, okay. there were party meetings there was a big big do when i say big do i mean 18th of january 40000 families got together for a dinner okay and you know what happened the virus went viral oh now that was 18th of january but before that on the 13th of january first infection outside china was detected in thailand 13th january eh but who who tweeted on the 14th of january no proof of human to human you know transmission now how irresponsible now talking about the responsibility on 31st december 2019 eh, 
China informs WHO that there were cases of uh, pneumonia. And then China says, but so far no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission. Now, let us get it right. When there is human-to-human -human transmission, we have to be absolutely concerned. If it is not there, well, then also we are concerned, but less concerned. Okay. Now, instead of accepting China's, uh, you know, story that there is no evidence so far, WHO should have said then and there, okay, thank you. We are uh, happy to hear that there is no evidence, but we want to send a team of scientists tomorrow to China who will work with you to find out what's going on. WHO did not do that. And as you know, Aniket, the first team was sent in February 2021. You can calculate after how many months. True, very true. After a very long time. So China was irresponsible. Okay? The Wuhan mayor as well as Xi Jinping. Because whatever was happening in Wuhan, Xi Jinping knew. And he permitted it. Now coming to WHO, it worked at a snail's place. In fact, it outsnailed the snail. I mean it. Because it was only by 30th January that WHO declared an emergency, global health emergency. And that too, in a funny way. You see, China declared a lockdown on the 22nd of January. Yeah. Okay? Wuhan and Hubei province. More than 50 million people in eh? Hubei province. 22nd of January, WHO's emergency committee meets for two days. It cannot take a decision. And then can you imagine? The committee decides to meet after 10 days. Well, innocently believing that the virus will wait for the committee to meet. Well, the director okay. general had second thoughts. He went to China, met with Xi Jinping on the 28th of January. He came back and on the 30th of January, WHO declares a health emergency of international concern, public health emergency of international concern. Okay, that is one part. Now, lo and behold, it was only in the 11th of March that WHO declared a pandemic. And let us look at the figures on the WHO site for the 10th of March. 113,702 cases. 113,702 cases in 109 countries and 4,012 deaths. Now, my question to you is that where is it written that more than 4,000 human beings have to die in so many countries before you declare a pandemic? So, WHO also has acted irresponsibly. All right. Last point I want to make is that world leaders, starting from Trump, have also not acted uh, responsibly. And uh, you, of course, would know of Bob Woodward, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning. Yeah. Twice he won the Pulitzer Prize. He wrote on the Watergate for the Washington Post. Now, his book, Rage. I'm just reading it. Now, on the 28th of January, 2020, the National Security Advisor tells President Trump, 
this is going to be a big disaster. This will define your presidency. Trump, what does he do? He decides to play it down because he doesn't want to cause a panic. So, though he banned flight from China and that in a partial way, you know, not in a thorough way, people were still coming back from China. And on the 4th of February, when he got a chance for the State of the Union message, seen by 40 million Americans, he made only a casual reference to coronavirus. Yeah. In other words, yeah. he thought he could get away with it. And then what happened? 400,000 Americans died till before the Trump presidency ended. So that is a litany of irresponsible behavior at various levels. So we've kind of understood that it was a lot of people, including China, WHO, then the American uh, presidents, who kind of underplayed the whole situation and let thousands, millions of people lose their life before the seriousness of the situation was uh, accounted for. Now, uh, Fabian, uh, a lot of people really also want to understand the politics behind the pandemic because what happens is that uh, we see that so-and-so has made a vaccine, but so-and-so is not giving them permission. We read that so-and-so wants to help, but so-and-so is filing a case because this against a protocol so there is a lot of politics involved politics is involved literally everywhere even in your house there is politics so what is the politics behind the whole pandemic and uh, what would be the easiest way to understand this okay talking about politics you know that china minds uh, one referring to it uh, as wuhan uh, virus you know now that takes me to back to history. The so-called Spanish flu, it did not originate in Spain. It probably originated in Kansas, United States. Then it spread to Germany, France, and UK. But then why was it called the Spanish flu? Because this, the World War was going on and the governments wanted to underplay it. They didn't want to you know, uh, undermine the morale of the soldiers. But Spain was neutral, and therefore the press, the media, they were free, and they talked about it. And King Alfonso XIII, he caught it. Eh? So that is why it became the Spanish flu, because the world thought, oh, it is being reported in Spain for the first time. So it just right. the Spanish flu, you know. And anyway, incidentally, Mahatma Gandhi also caught it, and uh, it... Uh, Probably, we don't know, 20 to 50 million people died. Eh? And it uh, yeah. affected 500 million people, one third of the world population. Now, coming to the vaccine and all that, there is a lot of politics there. Um, though I should say that Trump did a good thing. He sort of uh, boosted the production of vaccine. Eh? Though he didn't talk much about it, though he tried to take some credit. But uh, he was messing up... Uh, the distribution and all that. Now, all right. vaccine politics, uh, you know, this uh, Oxford uh, uh, group, you know, we have the Serum Institute in Pune. Now, they promised or they contracted to supply so much to the European Union. Then later they said, no, we have production uh, deficits, we can't supply. Then European Union told them, listen, then you can't export out. 
but then they backtracked on that so there is a politics there but there is a deeper politics which is not being talked about that is let us look at the rich or wealthy countries they account for about 14% of the world population and you know they have got 53% of the vaccine supplies 53% and a country like canada it has got five shots for every one there every citizen yeah whereas 67 countries you know they have got one shot for every 10 people one shot for every 10 people so that is heartless politics but let me explain if you permit me one more thing you know about the intellectual property rights yes that is trips eh? trade related intellectual property rights which means that you know well if you are a pharma giant and if you invent something well you have the patent on it for at least 20 years now this was um, done because pfizer the biggest pharma in uh, the united states it pushed the united states government into having these trips which was done in the 1990s when wto was established now india and south africa in december 2020 told wto let us suspend this uh, rights for a while temporarily so that you know people are dying so that other countries can also make it no wto has not agreed and countries like switzerland uk united states they opposed it because pharma giants are behind them so that is another part of politics ah again horrible horrible but this is what we learn that human life has no value only money has value and i mean of course this is a very personal opinion and i'm not supposed to give my personal opinion i'm supposed to be a very subjective uh, like completely non-biased person but sometimes when it comes to such situations the the human inside me screams and scratches onto the wall now professor fabian uh, uh, who's not a real professor this whole pandemic this whole virus is being called the virus for the rich by the rich and the poor people are the ones who are suffering the most because uh, it spreads because people travel go from one place to the other uh, go without the mask go without precautions and uh, in the end when uh, someone like uh, me who gets this virus i have to stop every other person coming in contact with me which might include uh, the the sanitation person my maids the chefs etc etc which also causes them a lot of problem because since the rich people cannot function the poor people cannot earn so could you elaborate on this whole concept of the whole pandemic being the richest problem and the poor people being affected by this uh, i beg to differ a little because the virus is a very democratic quote unquote in a very <laughs> deep sense of the word because it doesn't make any difference between a politician or industrialist or a poor person only True. thing is that you know the poor people as you said you know they are less able to take the precautions and in many countries you know the poor people travel together and all that whereas True. the rich can in fact the rich can afford to sit at home <laughs> you see uh, yeah. uh, they can they can do online programming 
but the poor people have to work. So that way, it is true that it is, uh, you know, weighted against the poor. But otherwise, the virus is, uh, you know, mathematically democratic. Uh, but uh, another thing is, if we sort of discriminate against the poor, they can also spread it. You see, in terms of spreading it, it doesn't make any difference. The poor and the rich can carry it in the same way. So the, I know of many people who got it uh, from their domestic staff, you know. So there is no immunity. This does right. not give any immunity. Only thing is that you get better attention if you are rich. That is that is that is a wonderful way of saying it. Uh, privilege is something that you need to fight this virus. And uh, that's about it. Uh, uh, like I have another two questions, and this is what we're going to wrap up with. Uh, the situation internationally. What are your thoughts on the situation internationally? Because after reading a couple of scholars, and I have full faith in you as well, you are someone who's seen the world and you've seen situations. Like after reading a couple of scholars, I have realized that things are not going to be fine till 2022. What do you think about this? I will not put a date on it uh, because we still, we just do not know. But internationally, I honestly believe that the international community has not handled it well. For example, I have been saying in my articles, you know, way back in uh, March 2020, that the United Nations Secretary General should have convened a summit meeting, you know, online and uh, figured out how the rich countries can help the poorer countries yeah, in getting vaccine and otherwise, you know, they would also need more technical help. Now, I don't think the so-called international community has bothered. India has done well by taking care of as many countries as possible, you know. That is something which uh, we can all be proud of. I agree that... Uh, now, in the second wave, well, we have problems, shortages, but that also is being handled, is being handled. All right. All right. That's about it. Last situation, uh, last question, rather. Uh, Fabian, Professor, this is something that everybody has been asking because uh, I want to look at myself and I want to have an understanding of my own country. I don't want to know what America is doing and I don't want to clearly know what China has done so far. But long story short, the situation in India, what do you think will happen in the coming few months or the coming few years after we are done recording this podcast? Well, I think, you know, we as people have to be less reckless whether we are going for shopping or for a religious function or for a political function, we have to be less reckless. That is very, very important. Second, tests have to be, you know, revamped, you know, boosted up and above all, vaccinations. That is very important. Now, we hear that uh, anyone above 18 can take it, but we have to, let me make it very clear, it's not enough to make that announcement. We have to make sure that the vaccines are available. And I believe the government is started thinking of even importing and Sputnik will be available. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but uh, I do not want to put a date as to when we are going to be free from this uh, man-made pandemic. 
All right, that's that's about it. Thank you so much for explaining us the politics, the situation, and the story behind the pandemic, which has created a very, a very mild sense of unrest in a lot of people. Uh, I would compare it to this one annoying frequency that everybody hears in their ear, but just doesn't know how to get rid of it. This is what the pandemic has done. It comes in doses, annoys you, and then just becomes a part of your life, and then suddenly rises in the frequency and then annoys you more. Um, thank you so much, Professor Fabian, for being a part of the show once again. This is politics for dummies. Uh, you can clearly reach out to us as well. Reach out to me for a new topic or topic suggestions at Radio Aniket, or you could reach out to us at HD Smartcasts as well. This is what it is. Uh, we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Uh, Fabian sir, thank you so much. Thank you. This is an occasion for us to show humanity, which is enough. yes. Absolutely yes. This was a Radio One production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.